Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Thanks, West Side. Um, I, I love Advent, but I think it's because I grew up celebrating it as Christmas season. But Advent is actually waiting for Christmas. And in the Christian tradition, we read these passages in the Old Testament about Israel waiting for the Messiah to come. And so as Christians, we believe Jesus came as a baby, the greatest gift of all. And uh, so then Christians started celebrating Advent, waiting for Jesus to return. And so there's this great anticipation, this expectation that we're waiting in. But I don't like to wait. (laughs) Do you you like waiting? Yeah, no, I don't like waiting. I, I already bought my girls their Christmas gift, and it's actually coming like next week. It's a new bedroom set for my two little girls. And, um, and so, you know, I don't like waiting. I, I don't like opening packages. I want to know what I'm going to get already. And so we can get caught up, I think, with Christmas season not doing Advent, not waiting. Um, and if you're thinking, well, this is kind of a letdown. Uh, we're not going to talk about Christmas today. I I am sorry, the passage isn't very Christmassy. So, but I do think there's something about this waiting time that we as the people of God get to offer to our friends, our family, the people who are getting caught up in all of the Christmas busy and rush. We get to offer something in this waiting time. And, uh, and every year we get to revisit these themes of hope, of faith, of love, of joy. And they are important values for us. And so peace today, we want to live with peace so that as we're interacting with each other, we bring about peace. Um, Paul will say that Christ is our peace. And then he goes on to talk about making sure that we keep the unity through the bond of peace. There's something we get to offer the world so divided, so anxious, that they don't have because of who we are, because of what Jesus has done and how we live differently. And so every year we get to bring peace um, into this season while we wait for Christ, the ultimate peace, to come back again. Um, So the passage we're going to read today is in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And before we get to that passage, I just want to open us in prayer and, um, and get into it. So would you pray with me? Uh, this morning. Oh God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth, and you sent your son Jesus to share a message of peace to those who are far from you and to those who are near. So grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold and pour out your spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Make us instruments of peace, O God. Where there's hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. 
O you, divine master, grant that we may not seek so much to be consoled, but to console, to understand, or to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive, it is in the pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in the dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. So um, this passage of scripture is, uh, is one that I love. It's uh, an ending to a letter that Paul has written to his friends in Corinth. And so as you're hearing this read, imagine that Paul was writing you guys a letter and saying, in this interim season, in this waiting for your next pastor, in this time, here's some things to live by. Here's some conversations. And then he would conclude the letter uh, by saying goodbye, hello, whatever uh, is your kind of way that you sign off your letter. I often sign off um, grace and peace uh, in my emails. And uh, so Paul says these words, verse uh, 11 of chapter 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, Encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, and all God's people here send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So did you, while you were doing the break, did anybody exchange a kiss? A, a kiss? No? Yeah, okay, Gianna, do, Gianna, yeah, you seem like the kissing type, you know. We had an awkward side hug earlier, and that was all my fault. Um, <laughs> greetings are really interesting. Around the world, you say hello in a bunch of different languages, right? If, if the first thing you're going to do when you go to Mexico or go um, across overseas, I grew up actually, um, my dad worked for Nike, so we went to Southeast Asia a lot. I lived in three different countries. Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam was where I did my high school years. And so you learn the greeting, Sin Chao. But it's also goodbye. Um, and so hello and goodbye in a lot of cultures, the greeting is the same, right? And um, it's interesting as we greet each other, what you do. Some of us, we shook hands, you know, that maybe that's the holy shake hands, um, but for Paul, he's taking the normal greeting of the Greco-Roman world. There was a kiss. Um, in Vietnam, they were under French influence. And so at our house church uh, there, we had a lot of French and French-Vietnamese um, people. And so they do the French bump kiss. You know, it's like one, two, and then it, depending on where you're at, you do another one. It's like three cheek kisses. And um, it's interesting uh, I didn't grow up in a kissing family, really. Like, we don't greet each other at family holidays with a kiss. But um, I have some great family stories about people marrying into families that did that. And, you know, a horrible moment when the uncle gets a kiss on the lips from the grandmother. And it's like, what, ha you know, what is happening here? So it makes for some really fun moments. And when you're going into cult cross-cultural like mission trips or when you're going on a trip, you don't want to be the ugly American, so you want to try and learn the practices. Like in Thailand, it's not polite to point at things. Um, so you're not on the train going like, look over there. Like you, that's inappropriate. So you want to try and avoid faux pas. And, and I think uh, kisses can be kind of... Uh, weird. I have a picture of my daughters and my wife and I greeting at the church that we attend, uh, First B. And, uh, you know, 
there was a competition. They have so many interests there, and I felt bad for the people next to us because everybody wanted to come through and get the, the greetings from the little baby, right? And, uh, but it was totally appropriate for people to walk up to my daughter. They wouldn't have given me a kiss, but man, they wanted to come up and get the baby kisses, right? Um, there's something about that. Uh, and, and I think the Bible has some interesting stories about kisses. You might not be familiar with this passage, but um, in Psalm 85, there's a, there's a passage that goes like this. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. I think I have the earlier passage um, part of it, the context. It says, you showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. This doesn't seem all that interesting here, but here's the passage, 85:10. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. I was at Papa's Pizza with my grandpa, Papa, uh, about 11 years ago. And uh, we called our grandpa there, Papa, and so it seems fitting that we were at Papa's Pizza with him. And he looked at me and he said, I, Lars, I have the text for your next sermon. And, and growing up, some of my favorite conversations with Papa were about the Bible. And um, he recently passed this last, uh, or I guess it was in October. And, um, and yet up until his death, I was still visiting with him about the Bible and the things that I was preaching on. And probably after this sermon, I would have reviewed with him all the parts that went well and the parts that didn't. But I valued his input. And I don't remember where, uh, how it exactly began, but basically he said he was reading in the book of Psalms and he came across this really weird verse. And he says, I don't remember where it's found, but it says, righteousness has kissed peace. And, uh, you know, I was a youth pastor at the time, so he was thinking probably a good message for teens or something. Let's talk about kissing in, in the right way. Um, but I think that imagery, right, it's, it's powerful. So I looked up the verse, and sure enough, there it was. But I read those verses at the beginning and kind of went, I don't know about this. I got bogged down in the early part of the Psalms. I'm, I know it's poetry, and, and these authors, uh, the sons of Korah, they were singers, actually. So it's probably a song. But I'm not really sure what it all means. Right? You have your favorite songs. You're trying to explain to somebody what it means. It's like, what does this mean? So I, I thought, thanks, Papa, and closed my iPad and forgot all about the psalm. About a month later, my brother and I were at the movies, um, Regal Seminas, and we were with one of his girlfriends and her parents. And we sat down in our seats, and about midway from the screen, and I was getting ready. I rocked back, and I was going to put my feet up on the chair in front of me, right? Anybody else? No? Okay. Um, but I stopped because the mom was sitting right next to me, and I thought, well, maybe she's like my mom, and she would say, don't put your dirty shoes up on the seat where somebody's head is. And, um, and so that's okay, whatever. I lean down to get my popcorn, and I'm going to enjoy the commercials, the, the previews beforehand. And as I reached down, I realized there was somebody in the seat right in front of me. I mean, I literally would have just kicked their head. And, and I thought, I'm a fairly observant person. How did I miss that person? Well, um, I looked down a little bit closer, and uh, there were, they were kind of 
you know, snuggled up and they were making out. And it was one of those moments, you know, where you're like, hey, a, a peck is all, you know, quick peck during the movies, foot only fair game, but like a full preview length kiss, like get a room. <laughs> and so on the way out of the movie theater, we're just, we're talking about what's transpired and, and you know, how uh, this is going. And these parents are taking this moment to speak to these impressionable, I was 19 or 18 or something like that. My brother was a little bit younger and um, they were like, okay, we're going to do some instruction here for these impressionable young people. And um, who would want the whole world to be in on that level of intimacy, right? It just seemed comical, the whole experience. And so as I'm talking to my parents and relaying this story and I'm telling everybody around there was just this moment where I remembered the point that Papa had made about the psalm. He said, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. There's an intimate relationship between righteousness and peace. And as I was joking about that couple, too much PDA, too much intimacy, too much kissing, I realized That is what God is saying in this psalm. There is an intimate relationship between the peace that the world wants, that they see in our lives, and the righteousness that comes through Jesus. And if you read the verses right before... um, and, and after, I think I've got them up there. It says, love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs from the earth. And righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good. And our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. The word pictures in the psalm are, are so beautiful. The sons of Korah weave this masterful painting Righteousness is said to be looking down from the majestic clouds with rays of light onto a golden harvest field. And my parents live on a family farm out by CV Loop, and uh, they have 15 acres, and one of them is a big hay field. And as a little kid growing up, I had the tremendous opportunity to salt the hay bales as they came in. There was a lot of preparation that went into bringing in the harvest. Salt, as you put it on there, takes the moisture away so that the hay bales don't combust during the winter. And it's a tall order in Oregon because of all the rain, right, and the moisture and everything that's in the air. And um, it's not just about the unhealthy food for the cows. It's also about this idea that in the dead of winter, these hay bales could combust and burn down the barn. And so the salt was there as part of the preparation process for bringing in the harvest. If peace is like the harvest, then peace is beautiful and it takes all this time to grow and to cultivate, but it also requires preparation. Peace requires salt and stacking in the correct way to reap the real bounty of peace. And so righteousness, says the psalmist, is that preparation. So what is, what is righteousness? We come to church and we might sing about righteousness. It's one of those religious terms that gets used over and over again, repeated in prayers, preached from uh, pulpits or round tables. But it's generally, right, ignored in daily life. 
Unless you find yourself watching Finding Nemo and you've got Crush who's saying, righteous, righteous. Um, which I think in, in that instance, we can deduce the meaning is akin to like awesome, right? It's like, it's awesome, right on. But it's actually all about something being done well. The, the slang usage of righteousness, I think, can actually get us back to what this religious word really needs to mean in our lives. Um, a Greek geeky definition from theology books would say that righteousness is the fulfillment of the expectations in any relationship, whether with God or other people. So you have relationships, you have relationships here, you have relationships in your, your family, in your work, and righteousness is the fulfillment of those expectations, of the expectations in those relationships. And when we come to God, we need to have a righteous relationship, a relationship that's fulfilled, that's done well. I can recall at many a memorial service, right, sharing this remark. I know when they get to the gates of heaven, they heard, well done, good and faithful servant. And we all desire that message to be spoken of us, to be able to say that our relationship with God is well done, that we fulfilled those expectations. But it's not just the focus of our busy days. We we know that everybody else wants peace too. They want the result of righteousness, but not the hard work of forming daily habits of living done well. So as we think about peace this Advent season, as we think about preparing for peace and fulfilling those expectations in our relationships, what, what might this word peace mean beyond just um, a greeting? Uh, the, the Hebrew word in the original language is shalom, and you've probably heard a little bit about that definition. In Greek, it's irene. Um, both have a, a similar meaning that it's complete or whole. Um, and as people greeted each other in Hebrew culture, in, in Jewish homes, they come in and they say, peace, shalom to you. Um, it's a state of well-being, a state of completeness, a state of wholeness. And so as we fulfill the expectations in our relationships, our relationships begin to be whole. But I wonder if what's really amiss in our world is not so much that we have this inner turmoil. I was talking earlier a little bit about the anxiety that's so rampant in our world. I don't think that our world is looking for the absence of conflict only or some inner peace. I think actually what's amiss in our world is a lack of meeting and fulfilling the expectations we have in relationships with each other and ultimately with God. And that brings about great anxiety. That brings about great conflict. These are the things that are the results of our relationships being incomplete, not being whole. What's missing in your relationships, in your lives right now? What are you waiting for to be complete so that you have peace? You know, when I walk into um, Christmas this year, I'm just going to want the house to be peaceful, right? 
there's going to be a lot of extended family there, some from out of town. When I go to visit my uh, in-laws, sometimes I just want to grab my mother-in-law and say, peace be with you. May there be peace. Right? And so I do want there to be no conflict. I do want there to be a state of shalom. I do want there to be this well-being and wholeness, even amidst conflict and devastation and war. And so I think with these definitions of righteousness and peace, maybe we can come up with kind of our own version of righteousness and peace kiss each other. And maybe it could be that a relationship done well and a state of peace and well-being are intimately connected. So how can we do relationships done well? I, I think uh, a lot of our relationships um, begin with greeting and end with greeting. And so this holy kiss that Paul is talking about and, and co-opting this ordinary greeting, he adds this word holy to it. The ordinary becomes something sacred and set apart, different. I wonder if as you greet the person uh, who makes your cup of coffee and say thank you, could be sacred and holy. I wonder if the greeting as you enter your workplace and pass by somebody else's desk could be sacred and holy. As you maybe serve students at a school like this, as they come through the office, could it be holy and sacred? And I don't know what that looks like for you exactly, but I think when we're together in Jesus' name, when we are the church, not just on Sundays, but when we're together, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there too. It's a divine encounter. You matter in this encounter. Without you, something is missing. Our wholeness, our well-being is only possible because Jesus made it possible and went before us. He's the one who created the true harvest of peace a state of well-being with God, and then makes us instruments of peace wherever we go in any relationship that we're in. And so our greeting, our holy kiss, should go beyond just fine. You know, I think fine um, to the question, hi, how are you, just falls completely flat. In fact, what we need more is to step in to the relationships that we have, to sit on the curb with others, to actually say, what's missing? How might I bring completeness to your life, to the relationship that's going on here? And so I think as we come together, we remind each other that in this sacred encounter, through Christ we have peace and you get to remind each other of that. Whenever you see each other, just with the simple greeting, peace be with you. Or maybe it's some other words, or maybe it is a kiss, or maybe it is an embrace. Maybe it is that handshake. But I don't think that these are 
useless acts. I think these are actually holy, sacred moments. Perhaps more sacred than even what I'm doing right now, teaching, is our greeting of each other, our holy, sacred kisses. I have a picture of um, my daughter, Ashlyn, giving me a kiss. Um, And uh, these are my favorite moments. She's going to turn four next week. And I have another one that's almost two. And um, these really make my heart happy. They fill me up. They raise my spirits. And so as I think about my daughter and all the joy that she offers, um, I just can't help but think about a children's book that I read to her that she loves. Um, It's my book that I get to read to her. Can I share it with you? Yeah? Okay. All right. So this book is called Who Counts? And I'm going to have you skip through a couple of these slides. The first story is one you're probably familiar with. It's a counting book. So we count to 100. Um, No, there we go. Actually, I've got it. I've got it broken down. So the first one is about the sheep. And then we count to 10 is the coins. And then we get to two, two sons. I'm going to walk over here so I can read this and not look at my pad. Um, Okay, a father had two sons. Easier to count than 10, much easier to count than 100. One day, the younger son wanted half his father's money. It would be eventually his, but he could not wait. He was restless, and he wanted to travel. So his father divided his wealth in half and gave half to his younger son and half to his older son. Let's see, I think I've got the next page up there. The younger son went to a foreign land and had great time doing whatever he wanted. But before long, he had spent all the money and had nothing left, not even to pay for food. And there was no one to share even a crumb of bread with him as there was little food in the land. The next slide. The son uh, went to work for the farmer to earn enough to buy something. And the farmer told him, You had to go and feed the pigs. Even the pods that the pigs ate looked good. Okay, we got the next page. Finally, the son was hungry and tired, and he decided to return to his father, but he wasn't sure what to say. How could he tell his father that he had spent all the money? His good pants were torn, his shirt was stained, his fancy shoes had holes in them, and he thought, I will tell my father that I had made a big mistake. I will say that I'm sorry, and I will offer to work hard to earn money. Next page. The young son returned home. to um, His hair was uncombed. His face was dirty. His hands were covered in blisters, and his father ran to greet him. He was so happy to see him that he did not care about anything else. Next page. Instead of of making his son earn money for clothing and food. He gave him a new coat, new shoes, and a new ring. And then he invited everyone to his home to celebrate. Let's check out the celebration on the next page. The older son was still working in the field. And when he heard the sounds of laughter and singing and smelled the sweet spices coming from his home, he wondered what was happening. He stopped one of the neighbors who was heading to his house and asked, what is going on? The neighbor was surprised by the question. Don't you know your father is making a big party for your brother to mark his return? The older brother did not know. Let's see what happens next. When the father counted everyone who had come to the party, he realized someone was missing. That person was his older son. He had forgotten to invite him. 
He ran out of his house to find his son. And when the older son saw his father coming toward him, he turned away. He was sad and angry that no one had come to find him. What happens next? His father spoke softly to him. Your brother has come home. I invited all of my friends to celebrate with us. You must come in and be glad with us. He tried to hug his son, but his son folded his arms across his chest. The older son finally said to his father, I've been with you all these years that my brother has been away. I did not waste your money. I did everything you wanted me to do. I never left you, but my brother did. Then you make a big party for him and you never had one for me. You didn't even invite me to his. Oh, next page. The father thought, I have two sons. I paid attention to the younger son, but I discounted the older. I didn't realize he felt lost. The father took his older son's hand in his own. Please come join the party. I love you. All I have is yours. Come be with me and your brother. I have two sons, he counted. One, and he pointed to the house where his younger son was celebrating, and he counted two, and he put his arms around the older son. Without you, he said, something is missing. With you, our family is complete. This is the kiss that really matters. I think I have a picture of Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son, which you may be familiar with seeing. It's probably the most uh, famous image about the prodigal son. This is that kiss that matters. God is like the father, counting, paying attention to who is missing. And I think sometimes in this parable, um, we get often to be the father. The church gets to be the father, welcoming back people and paying attention to those who may never have strayed very far, but are lost too. You might not have a prodigal son story, but you too matter and count. I think we can too often think of peace as this inner feeling, a peace of mind. But I truly believe what's broken and missing in our world, what's incomplete, is our togetherness. That's what brings things to completion and wholeness. And it's through this simple, ordinary act of greeting that you do every day, many times throughout the day, is sacred and holy, especially in this waiting season, especially as we anticipate the greatest gift of all, not only Jesus' birth, but his coming again. And so like the father's kiss on the prodigal, we too get to greet each other with a reminder of who Jesus is and how together we've been adopted into God's family. And like my daughter, we get to learn to count. One, two, you count. No one should be missing. Without you, something is missing with you our family is complete. As we go back into worship here, just for a moment before we close, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And uh, we're going to pray, and there's a nice little banner over here. If you need some prayer, there's going to be a prayer team over there. Because I think we need sometimes 
to have the sacred encounter, to be reminded not only that we count by each other, but through each other to be reminded that we count in God's economy and God's family. The invitation for us to be complete, to be whole, to be in right relationship is something we have to work on together. And so we get to do that by praying with each other, by greeting each other. Um, And so if you need prayer, I encourage you to to make your way over there. If you would, uh, let's stand and I'm going to close with a blessing of sorts, a, a prayer of blessing over you. O Christ, who is our peace, may you make your face shine upon us. May we be people who share the peace of Christ this Advent season. Today, I invite those here to hear, without you, something is missing. With you, we are complete. And may the loving presence and the companionship of God, whom we call Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, give us a peace that passes all understanding. Go in peace today and greet the world that is hungry and broken with peace. Thank you, God, for embracing us with a holy kiss. Amen.